right, well, hey, good morning again. I'm going to do my best to get you all out of here for, you know, brunch with your mama or whatever. Um, I'm, I'm not making any promises. I'm going to try. All right. Um, so glad that you're here. My name's Andrew. Uh, we are in, like Jake said, this journey through the scripture, the story of God. And I always feel like it's important to give context to where we're at. You know, over the last few weeks, we've been in the Old Testament books of First and Second Samuel, where we see the nation of Israel, the people of God who wanted a king like all the other nations. And so God gives them a king, a man named Saul, who wasn't the greatest king. Uh, but then God replaced him with a man named David, who was a man after his own heart. And David was a great man, he was a great king, but he wasn't perfect. If you've been reading through the Bible reading plan with us, uh, you've seen that. If, by the way, plug, if you haven't been in that and would like to join us, we're in week number 19, you can jump right in with us. We have Bible reading plans over at Next Steps. You can go to friendshipwire.com, learn more about that too. Um, but we have David here, and King David unified the tribes into this unified kingdom. And God promised that through David's line, through David's lineage, he would provide a messianic king who would establish God's kingdom over all the nations and God would fulfill the promises to Abraham through this future king. And that future king was Jesus. And so here we are in First and Second Kings. We're making our way into these books um, during the series and there's a focus on the kings of Israel after David. So David, this great king of Israel, um, he gives his throne to his son Solomon. We're going to talk about Solomon this morning. Uh, but what we find is that after Solomon dies, these two first big kings, or these first few kings, Saul, David, Solomon, after Solomon dies, something happens. The kingdom becomes divided. It splits in two, and there's a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. So the northern kingdom is made up of 10 of the 12 tribes. It's referred to in the scriptures as Israel. And we have the southern two tribes called Judah. And uh, what we see all throughout this is that God has promised to deliver his Messiah through Judah, through that southern kingdom. And all the southerners said, just, hey, no, 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 no division in this place. Come on. I set you all up for that. Um, but there's this, 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 God is promising to deliver through uh, David through his line and and what we see throughout first and second kings after David and after Solomon and the kingdom divides there's there's 40 kings between both of these kingdoms and most of these kings are are wicked and there's actually only eight of the 40 would be considered uh, righteous or even respectable and so eight out of 40 kings were good. And, and here's the running theme through all of, really through the Old Testament, but in particular through first and second kings. The, the, the running theme, and, and this is the one thing I'd, I'd love for you to hold on to if you hear nothing else this morning, but the running theme is that the Lord keeps his covenant. He's faithful to his promises. We sung about that this morning. And, and this is that phrase we see all throughout the Old Testament, steadfast love that his love is steadfast, that he's faithful to his covenant, even when his people are unfaithful, even when his people break their covenant, still the Lord is faithful. And I just want to take a moment to plug, I always plug this uh, quite often, but the Bible Project, uh, it's a resource that I use a lot. They're animated videos that, that uh, give you a book, like uh, books of the Bible overview uh, in this animated form. So for instance, as I was getting ready for this sermon, uh, I spent nine minutes watching an animated video walking you through like the, the full story of First and Second Kings so that you can understand the full scope of what's going on in the story and how that connects to the whole story of God. So I just want to put that plug out there. Bibleproject.com is a great resource. You can find that on our website too, a link to that under resources. 
So today we come into the book of 1 Kings. And King David, this great king, has gotten old and he is handing off his throne to his son Solomon. And what we see is when you compare and contrast the reigns, the rule of these different kings, David was a, a bloody man. His, his reign was kind of characterized by warfare. And then Solomon, his son, comes along, and Solomon's reign was marked by peace and prosperity. In fact, this is why, you know, David earlier in his life said, Lord, I want to build you a house. I want to build you a temple. And God said, uh, you're a bloody man, David. I'm not going to let you do that, but... I'm going to have your son, who's going to be a man of peace, build the temple for me. And so uh, Solomon comes along, and do you know what Solomon is most well known for in all of Scripture? Anybody know? He's the wisest man who ever lived. All right, now I just want to take you to the Scriptures to see this in 1 Kings chapter 4. It says this in verse number 29, God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure, and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all other men. And he lists some men that he's wiser than, saying that his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs, or at most of the proverbs we have in the book of Proverbs in the Bible are written by Solomon. And he also had 1,005 songs, which is a very precise number, isn't it? And then you drop down to verse 34, it says this, People of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon and from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. And so Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived on the planet. And so today we're going to be in 1 Kings, the chapter before, 1 Kings chapter 3. And in 1 Kings chapter 3, you see this great example of Solomon's wisdom. It's actually the first recorded instance of his wisdom. And some of you may know this story. Uh, what takes place is right at the front end of his reign, two women, two prostitutes come in, and they're, they're having this, this argument over whose child, whose baby this belongs to. And so Solomon says, let's do this. Somebody bring me a sword. And they bring a sword in, and Solomon says, okay, here's what I want you to do. Divide the living child in half. Give half to one woman. Give the other half to the other lady. It's kind of mortifying, isn't it? Uh, and we're like, this guy was wise? What? That sounds horrible. Well, one woman said, okay, good. I'm good with that. Let's go for it. The other woman said, no, 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 no. Keep, let the child live. Give the child to the other woman. And Solomon, in all of his wisdom, was like, bingo, that's the real mother, because no mom would allow that to happen to her child, right? And it says that the whole kingdom uh, stood in awe of the wisdom of Solomon. This guy was brilliant. And so as I was preparing this week, I thought, here's a great story about moms. How about we share that on Mother's Day? Nah, that's probably not the best, right? But I just wanted to throw that out there for y'all to connect us to Mother's Day. Uh, but earlier in 1 Kings chapter 3, I want us to look at the backstory of where Solomon's wisdom came from. Like, how did he become so stinking wise? Was he born with it? Uh, is it something he learned along the way? And so this morning, while we're not specifically diving into the subject matter of, of mothers, uh, I do believe that wisdom is a very relevant topic, don't you? Uh, for moms, for dads, for every one of us, we need wisdom. And so the title this morning is How to Be the Wisest Person in the World. Um, 
just a little backstory on this too. The, the running title, the working title for this was How to Be the Wisest Man in the World until I realized this was going to fall on Mother's Day. And I thought, ah, we might need to tweak that a little bit. So really it's about wisdom today. How do we become wise like Solomon? So I want to start with this question. What is wisdom? What in the world is wisdom? I want to give you a, a dictionary definition, which I think is, is pretty good. Here's a dictionary definition of wisdom. The ability to discern or judge what is true, right, or lasting. The ability to discern or judge what is true, right, or lasting. So this is not the same as knowledge. We're going to compare like knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is kind of a close cousin, but not the same, all right? So knowledge would be uh, acquaintance with facts, truths, or principles that we would gain from study or investigation, all right? So it has to do with gathering information, knowledge. Wisdom is not so much about information, but how do we apply that knowledge? How do we apply the information? Uh, So let me give you a couple examples, all right? So knowledge would be knowing how to use a gun. Wisdom would be knowing when to use it and when to holster it, right? So knowledge, I know this, I know facts about this. Wisdom is how do I apply? It's applied knowledge. And so knowledge versus wisdom. And, uh, and so let me read for you James chapter three, because I think this is important just to make this distinction of what exactly wisdom is. In James, James asks this question in chapter three, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? So if we were to look out uh, amongst all of us and say, okay, who stands out as somebody who is wise? How do you make a determination if somebody is wise or not? Well, he asks the question and then he answers it. He says this, by his good, what? Conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Here's what he says. You want to know who is wise in the world? Look at the lives of people. And is it, it comes through their conduct and through their works, through their action. Because you all know it's, it's easy to know some stuff, but to actually apply it. That's where wisdom is. And he goes on and says, but if you have bitter bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So I just want you to see this morning that there are different kinds of wisdom. There's one, he talks about this worldly wisdom that's not from above. It's, it's this idea of street smarts and common sense and playing the world's game so that I can get ahead, but it leads to selfish ambition and jealousy and all these things. But then there's this wisdom that comes from above, it's from the Lord, and it, it represents or it reflects his character, and it honors him, and it glorifies him. So wisdom is the ability to discern or judge what is true, right, or lasting. And so let me ask you a question. What do you need wisdom for? How would you answer that? What do you need wisdom for? You know what my answer would be? I heard it. Everything, right? Everything, every single day. I need wisdom to know how to engage in uh, relationships or how to deal with circumstances, uh, how, to, how to navigate life, right? We need wisdom. 
And so with that in mind, I want us to look at 1 Kings chapter 3. We're going to read verses 5 to 15, and we're going to see where wisdom comes from in the life of Solomon. So 1 Kings chapter 3, starting in verse number 5, it says, At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. So he makes this incredible uh, statement here. Solomon asked, What is it you want? And here is his response, starting in verse number six. Solomon said, Lord, you have shown great and steadfast love, there's that term, to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant therefore. Here's here's his request. Uh, The Lord says, ask what I shall give you. He says, give your servant therefore an understanding mind. Give me wisdom to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this your great people? Verse 10, it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days." And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Then he came to Jerusalem, stood before the Ark of the Covenant, and offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings, and made a feast for all his servants. And so God comes to Abraham in a dream, and you kind of come to this end of the passage, and you're like, oh, shoot, that was just a dream, right? But it was actually, it was a dream, and yet it actually happened because Solomon became the wisest man who ever lived. And what I want to consider for the next few minutes is, like, where does wisdom come from. All right, so here's the first thing. Wisdom comes from first knowing your need for wisdom. Knowing your need for wisdom. So God says, hey, Solomon, what do you want? Ask me anything. I'll give it to you. And Solomon said, you know what? God, you were with my father. You blessed him. You were faithful to him, and now you've made me king. And did you see how he referred to himself? He says, ah, I am but a child. I'm but a child. There's no way. I'm not qualified for this job. And the reality is for Solomon, he wasn't like, you know, an eight-year-old. He was probably about 20 years old uh, in this instance. But the reality was that he was young. He was inexperienced. He was in over his head. Have you all ever felt in over your head? Uh, maybe for some of you moms, it was when you, <laughs> when you realized you were going to be a parent or fathers or whatever it is. This is where Solomon comes in here. He says, I'm, I'm, 
I'm just like a child. I don't know how to go out or come in. And so he recognized his need for wisdom, that he didn't have what it takes. Proverbs 28, and again, many, most of the Proverbs written by Solomon himself. Proverbs 28, 26, it says this, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. So someone who is wise realizes, man, I can't trust in my own mind. I don't have the wisdom. I don't have what it takes. I need wisdom outside of myself. And Solomon came to this, this opportunity to lead, and he said, God, this is such a big task. I cannot possibly do this without you. There's no way I can do this. I cannot do this. And th- listen, this is so countercultural. Isn't it? Our culture constantly preaches the message and bangs the drum. Hey, you have what it takes. You are good enough. You are smart enough. You can do anything that you set your mind to. And listen, that, this is not, if you believe that, listen, you will never see your need for wisdom. If you think you've got what it takes, if you think you can handle it, if you think that you are qualified, I don't care if that is as a, a mother or a father or as a friend or in your workplace, the moment you think that you have what it takes is the moment when you are like, I don't, I don't have need of wisdom. The reality is if you're ever going to get godly wisdom, you need to know that you have a need for it. You have to recognize your neediness And so I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you see yourself as a person in need of wisdom? Do do you see yourself as a person in need of wisdom? Solomon did. He knew his need. But here's the second thing. Wisdom comes from not just knowing your need for wisdom, but recognizing the source of wisdom. Recognizing the source of wisdom. Do you all know who the source of wisdom is or what the source of wisdom is? Anybody? It's the Lord, right? It is the Lord. This is why, this is why Solomon asked him for it because he recognized that God was the source of wisdom. So he says this phrase in here, in his request. He says, God, give me an understanding mind. Give me an understanding mind. Now that word mind is often translated, most often translated as heart. Give me an understanding heart. But that word understanding, so let me just take a second on that. Do y'all remember, I've mentioned this word a few times this year. It's a Hebrew word, uh, shema. You guys recognize that word? Um, It's it's my one Hebrew word that I have in my back pocket. I'm not like Jay, all right? I pull out shema every once in a while. Hebrew, uh, Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four. It's when this is that, that, that daily prayer that God's people over and over, multiple times a day, would say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Hear. That word Shema means hear. It's the same word here that Solomon uses. Give me an understanding mind. It, literally, what Solomon is asking God for is he's saying this God, give me a hearing heart. God, give me a hearing heart, a heart that hears from, and and that word hear, and we talked about it before, Shema, it doesn't mean just like listen, the words are coming in, it means to listen and obey, says God, give me a hearing heart, 
you are the source of wisdom. And so God, I'm listening. My heart is constantly hearing from you. Second Chronicles 1, uh, First and Second Chronicles, a couple books that come along here um, after First and Second Kings. It's really a lot of retelling, a lot of repetition of the things that are going on in the life of Israel. In Second Chronicles 1, it's a restatement of, of Solomon's prayer from First Kings 3, and here's what it says. Give me now wisdom and knowledge to go out and come in before this people. For who can govern this people of yours, which is so great. God, give me wisdom. Why? Because you are the source of wisdom. And, and, and I want to I wanna look for a second at, at Daniel chapter 2. And we're going to get into Daniel in about a month. Um, Father's Day actually is when we'll talk about the story of Daniel. But if you know the story of Daniel, Daniel and his three Hebrew friends and a whole contingent of uh, Is- Israelites were taken into captivity in Babylon. And, and yet God gave these four young men tons and tons of wisdom, so much so that God uses Daniel to interpret this dream for the king. And yet Daniel, Daniel who stands head and shoulders above everyone else in his nation, who has all this wisdom, he, he turns the spotlight, spotlight back to the Lord. And I want you to see this in Daniel chapter 2, verse 20. Daniel answered and he said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives what? Wisdom to the wise because it belongs to him. He gives knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me what? Wisdom. You are the source. You have given me wisdom and might and have made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. If you drop down to verse 30, he says this. Hey, but as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me. Don't miss this. Not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king. You know what Daniel was saying? Everyone was looking to him as this beacon of wisdom. And Daniel said, listen, any wisdom that I have, it's not because I'm so special. It's not because I have more wisdom than anybody else. It's because God, the one to whom wisdom belongs, the source of all wisdom, has given me wisdom. He is the source of wisdom. And so I want you to hear this this morning. The source of wisdom, contrary to popular belief, contrary to what the world would say, the source of wisdom is not age. And all the young people said, amen, Amen. all right. (laughs) But our culture would say, hey, if you're older, if you're more mature, (laughs) right, you have more wisdom. And y'all have been alive for a little bit. You'd say sometimes, absolutely yes, sometimes, uh-uh. <laughs> right? You can be old and dumb, <laughs> right? <laughs> Lack some serious wisdom. Age and experience are not the source of wisdom. The source of wisdom is the Lord. You look at the life of Daniel. The book of Daniel describes him as a youth, which means he was most likely a teenager, 
in our culture, we'd be like, who, is, who has the most wisdom in our world? Teenagers, of course. We would never, we don't sit. <laughs> but the source of wisdom isn't age, and it's not experience. Solomon, listen, he was 20 years old and had zero leadership experience. And yet God gave him wisdom so that all the kings of the earth, all the world came around him and said, man, there is no wisdom like the wisdom of Solomon. It wasn't because he was mature. It wasn't because he was experienced. It was because God, the source of wisdom, gave him wisdom from on high. And so the source of wisdom is the Lord. And so let me ask you this morning, do you have a hearing heart? A heart that recognizes your need. God, I need wisdom. But recognizes that the source is not how many years on earth you have lived. It's God himself. And God, I have a hearing heart. I want to hear from you. Would you give me your wisdom? And so wisdom comes from knowing your need for wisdom, recognizing the source of wisdom. And then the third thing is seeking the Lord for his wisdom. Y'all, this isn't rocket science, right? Knowing you have a need, knowing the source, where wisdom comes from, and then the third thing is going after it, seeking the Lord for his wisdom. And Solomon, because he recognized his need for wisdom, he recognized that the Lord was the source of it, he just flat out asked, God, would you give me wisdom? Would you give me the wisdom that I need? And I want to say it this way, for, for all of us, for our sake, whatever you think is the source of wisdom, whatever you think is the source of wisdom in your life, that is the well that you will most often visit to fill your bucket. Whatever you think is the source of wisdom, that is the well that you will continually go to to draw and to fill your bucket with. So, let me give you some examples. Maybe you would look at media or social media and where you get your wisdom from is what everybody else says and what everybody else thinks and whatever else is going on in the world. That will become the well from which you fill your bucket. And spoiler alert, that's worldly wisdom. That's not wisdom from above. Maybe you would look to a TV network and that would be where you get your wisdom. If that is your source, is that's where you're going to draw, that's the well you're going to draw from. That's worldly wisdom. There is a well that you ought to draw from, the wisdom that comes from God, from his word. And that is why we are spending this year, this is why we're, we're devoting ourselves to the scriptures, because he is the source and he is the well from which we are to draw our wisdom, amen? We've gotta go to this well to fill up, to get his wisdom. We've gotta seek after it. And Solomon Ask the Lord, God, give this to me. I know you're the source. And it says that it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. It pleased the Lord. Now pay attention here because it didn't just please the Lord because of what he asked for. All right, what did he ask for? He asked for a wise, discerning mind. God, I, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to lead your people. This is too big of a job for me. I need your wisdom, your help in order to do what you've called me to do. God was pleased with that. God was like, good job. Way to go. Ask for wisdom. He was pleased with that. 
but he was also pleased with what he did not ask for. Did you catch that? He said, because you haven't asked for riches and long life and the life of your enemies, you haven't asked for any of these things. You haven't asked for selfish reasons. You asked for wisdom. And so he says, here you go. Here's wisdom. And on top of that, let me pile on. I'm going to give you riches and honor. And if you'll walk in my ways, I'll give you long life. Why? Because he was pleased with what he asked for, but also what he didn't ask for. This was a big deal. He, you know, he had the, prov- the proverbial three wishes. It was only one wish, but it was from God. God. God said, what do you want? I'll give you whatever. And he could have easily asked for anything. He could have asked for something driven by or ruled by selfishness, and yet he was full of humility, desperation, and needs. That God, I need what I need most of all is I need your wisdom to live and to lead. And, and, and I want to take a minute just to go to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2, um, again, Solomon wrote, literally wrote these words, and he penned most of the Proverbs, and I just want to read 10 verses out of Proverbs 2, and, and if you go all throughout the book of Proverbs, it's, it's, it's a collection of wise sayings, of wisdom that we can glean to live this life, and Solomon says in Proverbs 2, verse 1, he says, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom, have a hearing heart, inclining your heart to understanding, Yes, if you will call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it, if you seek after wisdom like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord, which the Proverbs define as as wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you'll seek it, search for it, then you'll you'll understand, you'll find the knowledge of God. Verse 6, for the Lord gives what? He gives wisdom. The Lord, he is the source. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. He says, if you go after it, if you seek it, search for it, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity. Every good path. Verse 10, for wisdom will what? Come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Solomon says, if you want wisdom, seek it. Search for it. It's available to you, but you have to cry out for it. You have to want it. You have to incline your ear. You have to uh, incline your heart to it. Seek the Lord for his wisdom. And, And let me throw in this word about seeking wise counsel, because I believe seeking wise counsel is so, so important. Not just good counsel, godly counsel from other men or women who you see the fruit of wisdom in their life, the way that they live. Not just somebody who knows the Bible the best, who is actually living in a way where you see it by their conduct, through their works, the meekness of wisdom. Seek out wise counsel. The book of Proverbs says, says so many things about, you know, in the multitude of counsel, there's safety. And so I would implore you to to seek wisdom from others. But I also want to say this. Make sure that God, the source of wisdom, is your first resort, not your last. Right? Seek godly counsel, but man, seek the Lord first. 
He is the source. And, and I'll, uh, I'll go to Matthew 6, verse 33, which gives us this principle that we're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek him and his wisdom first of all. And so let me ask you a question. What is the will, uh, the, the well or the source of wisdom for you? When you need wisdom, when you're like, God, I'm in over my head, I don't know how to handle this, I don't know how to respond to this, what is the well that you run to? Where do you fill up your bucket? Do you run to the well of, of others and social media, anything else, or do you run to the Lord? And maybe you'll say, yeah, I pray, I go to the Lord first, but let, let me ask you this, a more pointed question. If it is the Lord that you, you go to first, what do you seek him for most. When you're in need, do you go to the Lord and say, God, would you protect me? Would you keep me safe? Would you end my troubles? Would you make me happy? Would you do away with my suffering? Y'all, what if, what if the, the first and foremost, the most frequent re request, and those things aren't bad, but what if the first request we made to God when we go to him was, God, would you give me your wisdom? to know how to deal with this person or this circumstance or the suffering. God, would you give me your wisdom? I'm in over my head. I need you, I need your wisdom and I recognize you as the source. So God, would you give it to me so that I could please you, so that I could navigate every circumstance, every relationship in my life. And so this morning, wisdom. And I just want to make sure you hear this, that the wisdom of God is available to you. The wisdom of God is available to you. Colossians chapter 2, verse 3, speaking of Christ, and it says this about Jesus, that in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Does that, is that phrase, hidden as treasures, does that ring a bell? We just saw it in Proverbs chapter 2 that says that you're to seek it and search it as if you are searching for hidden treasures. So what, is the, the wisdom of God hidden from us? And I just want to read this quote to you from Curtis Vaughn. He says this, Hidden does not, however, mean that they are concealed, but rather that they are laid up or stored away as treasure. All the wisdom is contained. It's hidden in Christ. Wisdom is available. It's hidden in Christ, but it's not hidden from you. You just have to humble yourself and go to the Lord and seek it. Amen? You have to know, God, I need wisdom. And the source of wisdom is you. And so, God, I'm asking you. I'm desperate. If I could ask for anything, God, would you give me wisdom to know how to honor you and bring glory to you and all the things that I do that I would reflect your character. God, I need your wisdom. And as a final encouragement, and just to emphasize this point that wisdom is available to you, I want you to see as we close James chapter one, verses five and six, where James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, say this with me, let him ask God. If you need wisdom, what do you need to do? Ask God. Ask the Lord who gives generously to all 
without reproach. In other words, he's not gonna shame you for coming to him. He's gonna give to you generously. You want wisdom? Ask God. But verse number, uh, verse number six, but let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. If you need wisdom, go to the source. Seek after it. Ask for it. God will generously give you wisdom. That wisdom is available. It's hidden. It's stored in Christ, and it's yours for the taking. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? And so, God, I just want to say thank you for your wisdom to navigate all the stuff of this life. God, thank you that we have not been left to our own to figure it out and to navigate all the stuff that we encounter from day to day and week to week. The relationships that we have, the circumstances that we're facing at home, at work, in our family. God, I'd be the first to cry out this morning that I need your wisdom. There's not many days when I don't feel in over my head. God, thank you for the example of Solomon. That we can see our need and we can recognize you as the source, but God, ultimately we need to come to you and seek you out and to ask you to give us your wisdom. So Lord, I'm just thankful that you have given us permission to do that. You've given us the authority and opportunity to come to you and to seek your faith and find the wisdom that we need. It's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. That all of the wisdom in all the world, as wise as Solomon was, all the wisdom, all the treasures of wisdom are hidden in Christ. And we can know him and live in him. And so God, thank you for Jesus this morning. Thank you for that we can have when we seek you. I pray for every person here today, God, that you would give the wisdom that is needed, that we would humble ourselves and come to you as our good, good Father, as the one who gives us grace and mercy and steadfast love. So God, thank you.